you're very welcome along to the gardening programme on this uh, not quite longest day of the year but uh, yeah. just marginally just shy of it Boric <laughs> Isn't it fantastic 17 hours of brightness at the moment Is that right? Like yeah. 17 hours Yeah. It is uh, you know it is lovely that it goes on so long into the so evening, long into the evening yeah. yeah. So great gardening weather perfect gardening weather we have no excuse at the moment and the weather this week has been lovely uh, for gardening for getting out and about and doing a, a few pieces but as you say the rain is coming tomorrow so make use of, of today would be my advice Yes. get out there and do the the essential jobs of mowing the grass and feeding and weeding and all those uh, atypical jobs. But having said all that, the, the the soil conditions are fantastic for planting. Often in June, remember this time last year, it was so dry that people found it difficult to put in new plants or do any sort of planting. And it was constant watering and nurturing of plants. So the, the soil conditions certainly are very, very favourable for the planting of trees and shrubs and hedging and putting in new lawns and all those sort of uh, planting sort of jobs, as well as um, I suppose that we're into that very much the maintenance mm. of the garden now, the deadheading of flowers, the feeding of plants, and uh, the trimming of grass. Yes. Grass okay. so and ma- maintaining the better colour yeah, that has come on stream. Yeah, keeping the going long, uh, as long as possible. So we have a blight warning there on yeah. the forecast. Um, and interesting, the first call I had this morning, just before we came on radio, somebody rang into the studio, and their question was about potatoes, and they had uh, a number of potatoes, seven or eight tubers that have just have the the total symptoms of blight and. Um, have, have even though the, the uh, listener sprayed with a bit of the bluestone, there still has some blight problems on rooster potatoes. Now we're coming into a week of high temperatures, mm-hmm. humid weather, sea mist, perfect blight conditions. Yep. So today, if you've got potatoes in your garden or you've got tomato plants in your turnal or greenhouse, do give them an application of a blight treatment. Bayer do a very good one. Um, it's it's uh, manufactured by Bayer. I think it's from memory, it's called potato blight treatment. Okay. It's quite simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's a liquid, you apply it onto the foliage and that'll prevent um, blight because we will have blight next week. It's not that we might we might have it, we, we will actually have blight. The, the temperatures and the conditions are going to be so favourable to the spread of blight. If people want to uh, jump onto my website, horkins.ie, mm-hmm. go into the blog section and in there I have an article written on blight and what to expect and how to prevent it. Okay. But look at now is the time to prevent it. And a dry day like today is the type of weather to, to apply a little bit of blight treatment. Diseases, other fungal diseases like black spot and roses, mildews will also favour next week's weather. So again, if you've got roses in your garden, today might be a good time to put on a little bit of rose clear or top rose or any trees that might be susceptible to mildews. That's the white, for example, fruit trees, gooseberries, black currants, red currants, apple trees, if you've got those in your garden. You can use the, the rose clear quite safely on those or something like top rose. So maybe go out and just give all the plants that are susceptible to diseases in particular a light treatment a light fungicide and that will keep them um, clean. So use today, use the dry day to prevent and, and help to protect plants for next week, but particularly potatoes. And you'll get lots of information on my website, horkins.ie uh, forward slash blog. Okay. Uh, now, we want to talk a little bit about an open garden that's happening. We do indeed. And, and this was a garden we featured uh, two years ago. If you remember, I popped out. It's a lovely garden in, in Balcarra, owned by Sean and Terry Mitchell. I do remember this, uh, th- that you had recorded a lovely little piece and we featured it on the programme. Yeah, and it's a lovely garden. It's a, it's a mixture of kind of formal parts of the garden with the lawns and, and some lovely roses and shrubs and so on. But also the fabulous vegetable garden, vegetable and herb garden. And Terry and 
Sean open their garden to the public for charity every two years. So we're coming up to that two-year milestone. So on Sunday, the 7th of July, from 2 to 6 p.m. in Balcarra village, and generally they have a uh, very well signed, but it's right in the in the village of Balcarra town in Castlebar. They open their garden, and this year they're opening it for the Western Alzheimer's and Castlebar Social Services Centre as the nominated charities. But if you just want to spend a couple of hours, it's a kind of an atypical uh, garden. It's mm. it's you know it's it's not acres of garden, but it's a lovely rural garden with some beautiful planting in them, a lot of mature trees, a lot of mature shrubs and just some interesting aspects to the garden and I still remember it two years on when, when we went and we recorded a piece with Sean and Terry. So it's a lovely mixture of vegetables, herbs, fruiting plants and then a nice range of um, flowering shrubs, lovely trees and uh, I think from memory they have a nice pond as well or a water okay, feature. Of some, so it's just, like, yeah, so and a greenhouse, a working greenhouse. The last time we were there anyway. So look, at, to spend a couple of hours, it's well worth a visit. Yes. So that's going to be on Sunday the 7th of July from 2 to 6pm in Balcarra Village and put it in your diary. I'll remind people next week as well and it is all for charity. There's a small donation and from memory, Terry puts on a beautiful spread as oh, well. Oh no, don't put pressure on her. <laughs> from memory, so so it's well worth a visit. So that's that's on the 7th of July um, from 2 to 6pm okay. in Balcarra Village, which is just outside Castle Bar. So that's worth a visit. Okay. Now we're also going to look, uh, which is, I know something that really maybe suddenly strikes people, work hasn't been done very much maybe in the garden prior to it, although obviously lots of information here over the last couple of months. And then in this time of year, temperatures I know we're going to have a bit of rain next week but temperatures are coming up so we will get the opportunity hopefully to be out and about and enjoying gardens a bit more but the colour aspect where we haven't addressed that previously, a bit of instant colour. Yeah, May has been quite has been quite a cold month and we've had some late frosts in May um, and many plants like, I know you have a, a WhatsApp picture in there on mm. some hydrangeas, you'll find that some plants that, that got damaged earlier on in the year may not flower this year. So if you were looking for a bit of colour, mm. this again, June is a good time to plant because remember, most of the plants are going to flower right through to September of October. So we have another four or five months of colour yet to be had. So you can plant plants like, and I brought a couple of dahlias in because I think dahlias give fantastic colour and value. They're just starting to flower now. And these are the single flowering dahlias. They're varieties like Happy Days or this beautiful red variety as well. And planted now, they will continue to flower right through until the end of the summer. They do well in pots and containers and give a lovely uh, shade of colour. And this is a lovely double yellow variety. It's a dwarf dahlia which only grows about 12, maybe 15 inches in height. Lovely in pots and containers. So there's lots of colour like that in your local garden centre. Things like petunias just coming into flower. Biden's Be Alive which is a lovely orange flowering plant. Fuchsias are just starting to flower now. So like I said at the start of the programme, soil conditions and planting conditions are absolutely perfect. Mm. Growth will be very strong next week when we get into 18, 20 degrees. It'll kick off. It'll kick off with that high level of moisture. So not as it going to be good, only good for planting plants, it's also we're going to have significant growth on plants next week. So put in a bit of colour if you want some instant colour. I mentioned the lovely Hydrangea Runaway Bride yes. last week or Hydrangea um, Deep Purple Dance, which is a lovely purple variety. They're 
just on the po- point of flowering now. So if you get them into the garden soil, they're going to give you lots of colour to the end of the summer. So don't feel that you've missed the boat. There's okay. plenty. Even down to bedding plants, if you wanted to add some French marigolds or some begonias for a bit of instant colour, you've still got plenty of time to plant. plant. Next week, the other tip is to watch out for the slugs because they're going to relish the warm conditions, the humid conditions and the wet conditions. So put down a small bit, if you are planting plants or vegetable plants in particular, put down a small bit of the organic um, slug pellets. So eraser or nematode, not nematodes, but the um, the Neerdorf organic pellet. Use either of those. Okay. Uh, they're organic in nature. They work very effectively. They're safe for children and safe for pets as well. So keep an eye out for the slugs as well. So the planting dear at the moment and really um, the feeding of plants as well, hanging baskets, window boxes, containers mm. that should continue. Even the sowing of seeds. So temperatures would be ideal for the germination of seed. So last week, for example, I was chatting to somebody that had problems with carrot seed not germinating because yes. temperatures were too cold. Mm. So we're going to have the perfect conditions for sowing lots of vegetable seeds in the next um, few days. So get them in now. They'll germinate within a seven or eight day period with the sort of temperatures we're going to have next week. Okay, perfect. So even though we haven't had a, a great run of it, uh, hopefully this coming week now. Well, we'll it's been very mixed. To action. When yeah. you get that, that um, great fluctuations in temperatures where it gets quite chilly and then quite warm, seeds find that difficult to germinate, but we will have the perfect temperatures at the moment. So today would be an ideal day to start getting on top of all those jobs. Okay. Taking advantage. Taking advantage. Taking advantage of the good weather. Okay. I know uh, we have some questions in relation to pests in particular. I see leather jackets and stuff like that. Okay. And so we'll probably just, I'll take a break and uh, we'll have a look at uh, exactly what's coming in in that regard uh, because I suppose there is a proliferation of... It's the uh, time of year. The, yeah. The, those the th- those challenging bugs out there. So um, we'll address... Wildlife. Those questions. Wildlife. <laughs> the wildlife. That's it. Um, bump, bump. Pests, Porrick. Pests, 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 pests. pests. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have, I'm, I'm spoiled for choice on the pests. Right, let's go to Patricia. No, there. that's not a pest question. I'm going to go to a question on leather jackets because there's a number of those in a little bit earlier on. Okay. Um, and people struggling a small bit. Nematodes, uh, I think, weren't quite working or didn't seem to uh, sort out the problem for somebody. I'm just going to find that text if I can. Exactly. Okay, well, leather jackets mm. in general, the, again, leather jackets are the large of the daddy longlegs, the crane fly, and they eat. They're a small rubbery pest, soil-borne pest that eat the roots of grass or they'll eat the roots of any plant. Um, they'll eat vegetables and, and uh, any sort of garden plants that you have in your garden. So generally the symptoms are the lawn goes a little bit yellow or the plants grow a little bit yellow and you'll often find birds feeding in the lawn because they're picking away the leather jackets. Now the nematodes work, they do work very effectively. However, they need warm temperatures. So they need the sort of temperatures we're having at this coming weekend and into next week. So now would actually be a great time if you've got leather jackets in your garden get the nematodes on now you simply mix them in water apply them onto the area and they'll hunt out and kill off the leather jackets so they're a natural predator of leather jackets but they do need warm soil conditions so May and early June has been quite cold for them uh, the question, I suppose, in all of that, uh, which some of you have covered, is how long does it take for the nematodes to start eliminating the leather okay, jackets? Well, the way the nematode works, it's a it's a natural predator that, that basically hunts out the leather jacket and kills it off. Now, obviously, that's going to take a number of weeks to, to totally kill off the leather jacket population. So they physically t- attack the uh, pest, they 
pupate or they, they reproduce and, and start hunting out again. So it takes probably two to three weeks for them effectively to kill them all off. And they'll keep, they'll keep attacking them until they've basically finished that um, area or, or finished off wherever the leather jackets are. So, But warm weather is, is required when you're applying them. So if you get them on this weekend, it'll take about a fortnight to kill them off. Okay. But it's a very organic, safe way of controlling leather, leather jackets. jackets and very effective as well. A lot of the growers... Um, the strawberry growers are using nematodes now as a choice rather than using pesticides. Okay. Now, could you please tell me, would Berberus Hammond Pillar grow in Belmullet okay. right beside the sea and uh, are they available? Well, Hammond Pillar is a, it's a lovely purple foliage variety. It's very similar to the uh, ordinary purple-leafed Berberus. However, it grows in this, it gets its name Hammond Pillar because it grows in a vertical column like a pillar of foliage. So it has this nice architectural shape, I suppose, pillar shape. Um, so it's upright, it'll grow four to five feet in height. Um, in Belmont, it is deciduous, so it sheds its leaf in winter. And, and Berberus are quite a tough plant. So it depends on the level of exposure. I think the listener has described the right beside the sea, so that's going to be quite challenging. You probably will get some scorch damage on the Berberus, but they are so hardy um, and tough, it's well worth a try. So definitely plant some. They should be available in your local garden centre of the don't have them, just the Lord of the men. So Hammond Pillar is a particular variety of Berberus, that lovely upright columnar shape with a beautiful purple foliage colour. And because it drops its leaf in winter, that's a natural protection, particularly in, in coastal areas. Okay, now Tom is wondering about uh, planting bedding and sowing seeds. Now, well, as I said there earlier before the break, perfectly good time to oh, do it. Oh, it's perfect for you. You can still put bedding plants in. I mean, remember that most of them are going to flower till September, October, often into November. Things like the non-stop begonias, marigolds and so on are very long flowering, so they're well worth continue to plant them. From seed you're really sowing plants to flower next spring and summer. So the plants that we sow from seed at this time of year are things like foxgloves, delphiniums, Californian poppies, um, lupins, those plants or wallflowers, forget-me-nots, winter pansies. They can be sown from seed. And again you have the perfect temperatures at the moment to get them to germinate. They'll germinate within 10 or 14 days. You grow them on during the summer and then they come into flower in the winter or spring of next year. So winter pansies, winter violas, primulas, polyanthus, forget-me-nots, uh, wallflowers, sweet william, all of those are sown from seed at this time of the year. Okay. And you've got the perfect conditions. And it's very easy to raise plants from seed because nature is doing it for you. And once you sow the seeds and cover them with a little bit of cling film, they'll germinate for in a very short period. And also vegetable seed, you can still sow. So you're thinking more about autumn, early winter now. So things like Swiss chard, um, spinach, autumn lettuce, winter lettuce, winter cabbage varieties, they're all sown from seed at this time of year. So if listeners say are taking out new potatoes at the moment, that would be a perfect area to re-sow something else, maybe uh, an autumn or winter carrot like Eskimo, which is a winter variety. It's very tolerant to cold conditions and does really well. Okay. So there's lots that can be still so sown at this time of year. And in most of the local garden centres, they'll have plenty of bedding plants and also vegetable plants for planting. Now, here's a great question. I'm planning a new shrub and flower border in a large corner of my lawn. Do I need to remove the grass? And how do I mark out the shape of the border? And what should I add to the soil before planting? No. <laughs> so right. great preparation a great project there. And yeah. a great time of year to do it. And like I said at the top of the programme, soil conditions would be ideal for putting in new plants. So the way to approach it really is, yes, you do need to remove the existing grass or vegetation. So if you're planting a new border in a lawn area, get rid of the existing grass. So the easiest thing to do is to crank up your lawnmower, cut the shape of the bed. So use the lawnmower to actually develop the shape of the bed because if you're not happy with the shape, 
the grass will grow back again. You've done no damage. So mark it with the lawnmower, first of all. And once you're happy with the shape of the bed, then inside that area, treat the area of grass with something like the um, weed-free um, weed killer, which mm. will kill off any broadleaf weeds and grasses without contaminating the soil. And then you're good to plant a week later. So trim the shape of it, first of all. Put a nice curve maybe on onto the border. Treat the area inside then with the weed-free. That'll control any grasses or weeds and then you, you can plant physically into that area put on your plant eggs and, and bark or uh, coloured pebbles and you've got yourself a new bed and a great time to plant in general if, you're, if the border is fairly large I do recommend planting in groups of threes or fives get that clustered effect and you know put plants in that are just going to kind of cover the ground and help to keep the, the weed control yeah at bay maybe introduce a nice tree into the bed as well if the bed is large you could put a taller tree like a maple which will have a nice clean stem and then plant other plants around the base of it so you'll have a little bit of height variety and all of exactly. that in there exactly now my apple trees are full of fruit this year two are, questions yeah. please should I remove some of the fruit and can I prune them back as little as the growth on top is quite long yeah, so if, if there's lots of, of fresh growth on the top of the trees, mm. so the apples will generally be, they won't be on the new growth, they'll be on last year's wood, so the apples will start appearing kind of two or three feet down from the top of the tree. So you can prune the long extension growth now, and this is a good time of year for shortening back that kind of wispy growth because you're doing two things. You're taking some of the vigour out of the apple trees, so you might be removing 18 inches of this year's growth from the top of the trees, so shorting them, shortening them back. So that takes a bit of the vigour from the tree, and secondly, it induces the tree to produce flower buds for next year because you're giving the tree a little bit of a shock. It's losing its... Uh, energy as it were you're pruning, pruning off the top branches it gives them a little bit of a shock and that helps to set fruit and set flower buds for next year the fruits that's there it will have no, gone through now the June drop so you'll see small little fruitlets at the base of the tree mm. already so if the clusters are quite heavy the little clusters of fruit you could thin some of those out so maybe for each cluster you want to leave two to three apples rather than a cluster of six or seven so the weaker uh, fruits, you can certainly thin them out and take them out. Um, so that'd be a good idea. And the other thing with apple trees and fruit in general is to give them a feed. So give them a, something like sulfur potash now or rose fertiliser that helps to ripen the fruit and helps to induce flowering for next year. Fantastic. A couple of questions in relation to mare's tail or horse tail weed. Uh, first of all, horse tail tail weed growing at the front of my shrub bed. It grows about 16 inches each year. What plants could I plant to cover and hopefully smother the weed? Can you, could which, you? which is a good idea, actually, yeah. of, because mare's tail or horse's tail only grows in height, I suppose, about a foot, a foot and a half. T- typically and then dies back at the end of the year and re-emerges again um, and, it, and it's very difficult to control it with proprietary weed killers because you tend to have it, it tends to grow amongst other shrubs or other plants so a good way to help to eliminate it is to smother it with plants that grow obviously taller than the weed itself so I would be thinking things like hydrangea phantom or hydrangea vanilla freeze plants like that that are quite they're relatively tall they'll grow about two and a half to three feet so they're above the physical Mm. weed they're broad spreading so they'll fill out as well and and they will in time help to smother and control the weeds Um, because one thing that mare's tail dislike is competition so Ah. 
it tends to spread. The the Roundup, for example, is not effective in controlling mare's tail. But where people are using Roundup in borders and beds, it favours the spread of mare's tail because all the other weeds... Are struggling have, are, against are, it. No, they're all died because mm. the Roundup has killed them. So Roundup won't kill mare's tail. So where you spray an area ground with Roundup, it'll kill every other weed but the mare's tail. And because the mare's tail have, has plenty of freedom with no competition from grasses or docks or any other weeds, it thrives and spreads and, and that's why it's such a problem at the moment. This, the, the consistent use of Roundup over the last 30 years has, has favoured mare's tail and has helped it to spread because it has eliminated all the other competition around the plant. Yeah. So by introducing some shrubs, you're creating some competition for the plant. So you want to look for plants that are going to grow two and a half to three feet in height, have a similar spread, plant them in clusters of threes and fives and you get that clumped effect which helps to suppress the mare's mm-hmm. tail. So it's a great way to approach the problem and, and there's quite a lot. There's lots of spireas, hydrangea varieties, um, even some herbaceous border plants like uh, geranium st- Johnston blue, which is a lovely blue geranium that grows about two feet in height, very dense and thick, look, would look well at the front of the border here and would help to suppress it. And I suppose the other aspect of that as well is that obviously it's a, a more environmentally friendly it approach is. Is. to uh, trying to, Absolutely. to keep the mare's And remember that the mare's tail dies back every winter, so it's not visible from November through till April or probably early May. Mm. Um, so you want plants that are kind of actively growing in early spring to suppress it. So now, that's one way certainly of tackling it. I know Neardorf <clears> is another product that people use in relation well, to it. Yeah, and, and with Neerdorf, Neerdorf is a brand. Yeah. So it, under Neerdorf, you've got slug pellets, you've got weed control, and you've different types of weed killer okay. as well. So there is a Neerdorf, but it's it's a specific one for mare's tail. It's a tough weed killer. Um, I think it's it, that's the actual Neerdorf turf weed killer. And the picture of the mare's tail is actually on the bottle. So make sure it's that one you use. The other spray, if you want to use a spray, is Dicofar that we use on the lawns. Yeah. That's very effective on mare's tail as well. Okay. And again, a day like today, a dry, calm day is a good day to apply it. Okay, we just but obviously follow the instructions. You we, know. we have a little uh, message there from somebody who has used the Neurodorf on the mare's tail, but it hasn't been that successful. Now, their particular location was on the side of the road, so it might just be a situation where there isn't sufficient uh, other competition either for... Yeah, it could be that, yeah. yeah. But and again, if, if it's quite heavy, you try use the, the uh, Dicofar, you'll find that very effective. It, it'll kill the mare's tail over, well, within a day or two. But you, you do need to repeat. Okay. okay. So better to plant the area with, with plants that are actually going to cover it. And by the side of the road, I know we have some wildflower seeds in yeah. there. Would that be an option for... It would, of course, yeah. I brought some... Yeah, yeah. We, we're chatting about these. Um, you were telling me about that burrow in, in, in Rotherham. The UK. <laughs> in Rotherham, that's right, <laughs> in the UK. And they planted eight miles. That's eight miles, yeah. That was stunning. Right? And, they, and the plants there are growing probably four feet. So the things like the lovely poppies, oxide daisy, cornflowers that are tall and, and um, again, very good at controlling the likes of mare's tail. So along uh, roadside edges, giving it back to a wildflower meadow, maybe planting some bulbs in the autumn, daffodils, snowdrops, all of those, you'll certainly suppress the mare's tail. Okay. It needs competition. Uh, now, uh, sorry about that, uh, moving along. Uh, somebody has sent us in a picture of a Lalandia hedge, which we've had a quick look at. Yeah. So, um, now so it's very well trimmed, I have to say. Uh, photos included, it appears to be dying. It's about 25 years growing. Yeah. So there are two things that affect Lalandia. One are aphids, of all things, 
green fly as it were. They will attack Lelandia and create brown patches and brown segments in the hedge and, and it looks very uh, typical of that. Um, so the aphids will come on the plant in March, early April. They've actually done the damage already um, so there's no point spraying now but for next year it's something to keep an eye out for and they will be quite visible at that time of year in March and April. You'll see the little bugs on them um, and it looks very similar to, to aphid damage. The other thing that affects Lelandia is heavy trimming and heavy pruning. They don't respond to consistently being pruned back and, and shaved back. You tend to get some brown patches as well. But in this instance, dear, it looks very like aphid damage that would have occurred back in March and April. The, the listener can go out, just check the plants. If aphids are still present, you could put on a, a um, something like bug clear to control them. But for next year, keep an eye out for that and... Um, that they, they basically call this, this browning in, in Lelandia. Okay. Uh, now, uh, Patricia has some lilies that were beaten into the ground with the wind and rain last week. Right. Uh, tried to lift them, but some got broken. How can she protect them? And can they be split later on as she has a very large clump of them? Yeah, it, and it depends what variety of lily it is. Um, it could be I, the calla lily. I feel it might be the calla lily. Yeah, and if the calla lilies, they, they respond to uh, division, um, particularly in October, November. Dig the whole plant up and you can split it up with a spade and, and replant it elsewhere. Um, in terms of protecting them, you can actually get a frame that fits. Uh, you, you basically place it into the arum lily as it's beginning to grow and that gives it support. Uh, it'll grow physically through it and it gives that extra bit of support, like a crutch, I suppose, for the plant, particularly when we get windy weather. But all lilies can be uh, div divided in the autumn, even if they're the uh, regal lilies or any of the, the, the bulb planted lilies. If there's a heavy clump of them, you can simply lift them up in the autumn, split them up and transplant them. No problem at all. Okay. Maybe move them into a more sheltered Location, location, but certainly give them a small bit of support, a little bit of a frame in April, and the plant will grow up through it. That'll help to support it. Fantastic. Now, somebody wondering about Escalonia hedge. Can they take slips, and will they root at this time yeah, of the will, year? Yeah, yeah. They're now they're in flower at the moment, so your Escalonia is blooming at the moment. So try to take uh, cuttings that are. Not, not producing flowers, which will pr probably be a challenge. If if you are taking cuttings, remove any flowers or any flower buds. Take them about pencil length, pencil thickness. Many cuttings will actually root at this time of year, like Escalonia, Privet, um, Grisselinia, Laurel, Fuchsia. All of those will propagate buddleias, lots of shrubs as well. So it's a really good time to take the cuttings of them. Simply put them into a pot of compost and perlite, half and half, a little bit of rooting powder, cover them with a polythene bag and they'll root in a three or four week period. Now I had lovely lemon agaranthemums and the foliage and flowers has fallen off. I got new ones and I want to protect them. How, okay. how do we prevent that so happening? So agaranthemum is the, is they're, they've actually been rechristened now again to chrysanthemum, chrysanthemum stella. But basically they're, they're agaranthem is, is the Paris daisy. Okay. And it comes in shades of white, yellows, pinks and red. So four or five different colours. Brilliant plant to plant because it, it comes into flower now and it stays in flower until October. So lovely in a pot or container on a patio or you can plant them out in your bar, border soil and a super plant for bees. They absolutely love agaranthemums. Um, so if the foliage has gone off, um, if it's still green, I would just give that a good trimming back feed it well and they'll actually reshoot and reflower again. They have this great ability of being able to come back. Even if they go out of flower and you give them a light trimming mm. back, they come back into flower again. So really all the treatment they need at this time of year the old plants, certainly I would have given them a trim back, give them a feed and they'll come back into leaf and flower again. The new plants the listener has purchased 
just simply keep them watered about once once every 10 days, every 14 days and liquid feed them every two weeks with a tomato feed and they'll continue to flower until the end of the summer. Super plant. My lupins are producing lots of seed heads now. Can okay. I save and sow these? You can, but it's a little early yet. Their their uh, lupins are are still in flower in many gardens, so the flowers will just be fading. So I would leave them another maybe two weeks on the plant, let the seed ripen a little bit more, and then simply cut the flower stem, put it into a paper bag, um, and and hang it upside down in a garage or whatever, and the seed will naturally fall into the paper bag. Once it does that in late July, early August, you can sow that seed, it'll germinate and grow the plants on for next year. So many plants, once they start to produce, see foxgloves, for example, will be producing their seed now very shortly. They can all be saved and kept for for next year or even sown this year and they'll produce plants for next year. When do you sow wild garlic and do hork and stock it? Why? Oh, yeah, the ransoms. Um, we don't actually. No, it's not something because it, it can, it can become, be got. It's wild. It's wild. It? Yeah, so you can get it quite easily anywhere, and it can be a bit, can be a, a bit of a weed as well. Okay. So the wild wild garlic, so ransoms is is um, lovely plant. It makes fantastic pesto in springtime. You can use both the leaves and the flowers, and they both have intense garlic, garlic flavour. Yeah. Uh, so look for it wild. Take a small piece and plant it, but do be careful because it does spread and it spreads a bit like mint and it can take over areas of your garden as well and there's a very very strong garlic smell of it when it's in flower um in in springtime so um yeah we we sell the the um the garlic bulbs the garlic bulbs yeah yeah, yeah the more traditional garlic but not the not the ransoms yeah okay uh rose bushes are they have the black spots on the leaves right. uh, so we we've mentioned that about yeah, so yeah just yeah and if they are affected if you've got some black spot on the leaves take off those leaves off the plant throw them in your bin and then try to start the you know the the, the process off again regular feeding and regular regular treatment with the um, rose rescue keeps them in good nick okay um Ask Porik, how do you stop birds pulling out the bedding plants out of the pots? Oh. <laughs> there must be something in the pots uh, of a bug variety, maybe. That well, has... our, our, our birds will often do that, even, with, even with shallots and sets, when you saw them, or, or little bulbs, freshly. They just pick re- at them. They just pick at them and they just lift them out. Um, now, I haven't heard about it too, too often with the bedding plants, to be yeah. quite honest. Um, so... Look at this, unless you net them, there's no other uh, physical way or there's no other treatment that I can advise. If you uh, put out other bird food, will it maybe that, that, could be, be yeah, maybe that, that could be a good idea. I like I that, don't know. <laughs> just, just thinking. <laughs> exactly, why not? Give that a go, yeah. yeah. But once the plants, give them a week or 10 days, they'll have rooted in anyway after that period. So I suppose it's just physically stopping them for the, the first week or 10 days. Um, but yeah, putting a little bit of bird feed out. <laughs> could, yeah, well, you know, it's, yeah. it's a bit like... Give it a go. It's a bit like doing the planting, yeah, that'll, you know, d- d- distract from... Uh, the nasturtiums, yes, planting them somewhere that's else. It. thank yeah, you, yeah, yes. Yeah. Gooseberries, how to stop the damage uh, from the gooseberries from the leaf-eating pest. It happens each year with the leaves completely eaten and So tips. that's gooseberry sawfly, okay. so it's very common this time time of year. Um, just use a proprietary uh, safe insecticide. So bug clear do a very good one for fruit and veg. It's made from oil seed rape. So it's, it's quite safe to use. It's an organic based um, uh, pesticide. So that's called bug clear fruit and veg. Apply that on now and that'll c- control the um, the gooseberry sawfly. The other thing to watch with gooseberries again is mildew. So uh, if you are treating your roses, maybe give your gooseberries a little bit of a treatment as well because they get a, a white p- 
powdery mildew on the foliage at this time of year and that spreads onto the fruit. Okay, great. And a uh, quick question. Uh, actually, no, we'll come back to that one because uh, I'm just going to group of co- a couple of them together. Um, somebody wondering, it's not too late to plant a wildflower patch, is it? Oh, no, no, yeah. no. Wildflower seed, is that, this is actually the perfect time. If you think what's hap- happening in the hedgerows at the moment, many, many of the spring flowering or the early summer flowering plants are producing their own seed at this time of year. So... June, July, August is a great time of year for sowing a wildflower meadow. And all you need to do is simply start with fairly clean soil. So if there's any vegetation there at the moment, remove that, rake off the soil, put down some garden lime, a handful of garden lime, and then one of the proprietary lawn uh, wildflower seeds, you, they tend to be maybe 20 or 30 different varieties blended together in the box. So when you put that on, you get germination of the young seedlings within about a two to three week period. Some will flower this year, particularly the annuals, and then the perennial plants will come into flower next spring or summer, depending on the wildflower mix. And remember, you can get ones for shade or for full sun. But okay. now yeah. in June, July is it's, an ideal time. Okay. It's a perfect time. And you can probably, for full sun is probably best. To well, full, full sun for most of the varieties, yeah. but there are collections for, sh- for woodland areas and for shade uh, as well. So depending on the area, you can get a wildflower mix that's suitable. You did say at some point, uh, I think at the start of the Brogan Park, that uh, you were advising that the slugs are going to be fairly active. They are. Yeah. Well, they have been, they have been quite active. Like slugs are nocturnal, they feed at night time generally. But when we get moist, humid weather, they feed 24 hours a day. And, you know, I suppose some of the weather we've had this year, there's cool temperatures and showers, they, they're quite active. Okay. I, I just want to, uh, there's a great text here about right. uh, okay. effort, efforts, <laughs> efforts made to try to control the slug situation. Right. We sowed lettuce and cabbage in a lorry tyre three times. Three, three times, times, three times, right? Okay. It is all eaten to the stems. Slug pellets and jay's fluid put around the tire, and a cage frame made to surround the tire, all to no avail. Plants still being eaten to the stem. Oh. Any idea what's <laughs> wrong? Please, I feel for you, listener. I really do. Well, it may not be the slugs and snails. You see, it, that's, it, could be, it could be something else that's a, that's eaten them. So. Um, would you have a soil-borne uh, pest? Well, that you, would like be? other pests, other pests uh, like some of the uh, leather, not the leather jackets, but the vine weevil beetles, yeah. they will eat the foliage of plants as well. Uh, so like the slug and the slug control will control the slugs and snails, but there are other flea beetle, for example, would eat the foliage. So you may need to use uh, um, a safe insecticide as well to control them. Um, but yeah, it's just a bit disparaging, isn't it, when... I don't know. Maybe can't see been eaten three times. Yeah, if and, and maybe it's just not happy in the tire or whatever. I don't know. And the, and it's not uh, maybe another covered location. With a frame, did you say? It's covered with a frame. frame. So I mean, in fairness, yeah. every effort has been made <laughs> there, and it's still. <laughs> I think oh, they yeah. need a veggie pod. Maybe that that's the, the answer. Maybe that's Plant the answer. Plant them into a veggie pod, and you'll have absolutely no problem. With okay. Um, back to the blight. Apologies. I know we're we're jumping forward and backwards, but people have different aspects of blight. They'd like covered this morning. Um, two elements here. First of all, I sprayed the potatoes with bluestone last Saturday, okay. but we had torrential rain since. So not sure how that's going to pan out, or have you any thoughts? And also, somebody wondering about an organic cure for potato blight. Okay. Well, well, I suppose blue stone and um, or copper sulfate mixed with the washing soda is as close as, as organic as you're going to get. So 
it has been uh, passed in, in subsequent years as an organic treatment for uh, blight spray. So that's, you're mixing roughly 50 grams of copper sulphate or bluestone to 60 grams of washing soda and mixing it up in water and applying it as a foliar uh, pre- preventative. Now, the thing with it is, it is a, what we call a contact spray. So when you apply it onto the foliage, that foliage is protective. But if you do get heavy rain, it will get washed off and you have to repeat again. And the second thing to remember is that as the plant starts to grow, which they're actively growing at the moment, mm. the new growth since the last time you sprayed is not protected. So any kind of four or five or six inches of new growth that the potato stalk makes, that's not protected. So in blight weather, you need to be spraying with the bluestone at least every seven days. Um, to keep the plants 100% protected. And if we do get heavy showers, then you need to reapply because it will get washed off. Um, The washing soda helps to bind it onto the leaf to a certain degree, so light showers won't affect it too much. But if you get consistent rain, and we are promised, I think, a good bit of rain next week, you will need to repeat. The other treatment to use would be the the bare one that I mentioned, the blight treatment that's normally put on every 14 days. Now, I had a great display of aquilegia in in a bed in springtime. Would like to keep them, but need to plant colour for the summer. How much and when uh, can I come? How much and when can I come back? Sorry, chop them back. Chop I'd them say. back. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So aquilegia is the old granny's bonnet. Lovely, lovely plant. It flowers April, May sort of period. It's actually producing its seed at the moment. So there's a great example of a plant that's producing seed at the moment. But it gets a bit tatty at this time of year because. The the plant has finished its function, it's flowered, it's produced its seed, so it's it's finished for this year as it were. So I would trim it back certainly within four to five inches of the soil. So you're really mowing it back. So it, depending on the variety, aquilegias can be anything from a foot up to four feet in height. So cut it right back to within four to six inches of soil level. Give it a little bit of a feed and it'll actually produce some nice young foliage for you. And that will also make space for putting in maybe some begonias or marigolds. So there's a great example of a, of a spring, early summer flowering perennial right. plant that needs to be tidied up now. And um, you can collect seed off it if you wish, but prune it back, feed it. It'll actually kick back into growth again and it'll look, it'll look a lot prettier because you've got lots of young And it'll leaves, be fuller. And it'll be fuller and it'll be stronger for next year and uh, it'll make space then for putting in some bedding plants. And it's always a great idea to mix a few bedding plants into your cottage borders to give a bit extra colour because many of the cottage flowering plants, there are lots that will flower through the summer, but many like the lupins Mm. are beautiful at the moment, but they'll be gone in two to three weeks' time. So it's a good idea to start planting maybe a little bit of extra colour now to to give you colour in in July, Mm. August, September, October. Uh, on the nematodes, are they available in Turlock and are yes, they, they expensive? Are. And oh, memory-wise, so uh, don't don't hold me to this, but I think per per um, the coming actually in a sphere, um, so they're about forty euros, I think thirty nine okay. euros, something like that. Um, now that'll do quite a, quite a large area, and there's one specifically for lawn areas, and there's one as a general. Um, for leather jackets. Now, nematodes will also control, so there are ones specifically for nematodes, but there is another one that is can be used on carrot root fly, cabbage root fly, um, and other soil-borne pests as well. Eelworm, for example, wireworm. Um, so there's one that will control all of those. So they're generally suitable for soil-borne pests. So cabbage root fly, carrot root fly. So if, again, if you want to protect your carrots in an organic way, in a natural way, the ne- nematodes will work really well. And again, this today will be a perfect day to get them on because the rain is coming, coming. and the temperatures are lovely and warm. 
Okay, um, somebody wondering about red lily beetle yeah. and how might that be controlled, okay, having difficulty so with them? Red lily beetle is, like the name suggests, it's a, it's a red beetle that attacks the lily plant in particular. Now you can use, you need something strong to control that. So there is a treatment called Bug Clear Ultra, mm-hmm. which is an insecticide you apply it in the evening time and that will control uh, red, beet, red, lily. red lily beetle, I should say. Lots of it this year. Okay. Got lots of questions this year about it, so it's obviously uh, in vogue at the moment. Okay. Conditions but it can just be controlled. Good yeah. for it. I've a plant I think called a hemerocallus, and it has yeah. white roots, and it's taking over my border. <laughs> How do I get rid of it? It's coming into flower now. Well, when is a when is a when is a plant a weed? So hemerocallus is, is a beautiful herbaceous flowering plant. It comes in a whole range of different colours, but it does form this large clump. So if you are looking for a plant to kind of cover the ground and give you lots of colour right through the summer, and that's reliably. Will, will reliably flower every year, then hemerocallus is a great plant to plant in your garden. However, when it's planted in an area that's maybe small or too confined, it can be, become a bit of a, a nuisance in that it does spread. Um, so, what does the listener want to know? What to get rid of it, is it? Yep. You can simply dig it up, dig the plant up, lift the entire plant. If you've got another area of the garden, you can transplant it even at this time of year. And once you're doing that, you can split it up into a couple of pieces. So you can actually uh, spread it into four or five pieces. So here's a great plant if you had a roadside edge that you wanted to plant up and let a plant just spread and mm. fill out, then hemerocallus is a great plant. It's a bit like the um, the crocrosmia uh, oh, yeah. lucifer or you know, plants like that, that 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 fill out and are quite dense in habit, then the hemerocallus is just one of those plants, a great filler. There's a plant now I would plant to combat the uh, mare's Mare tail because it'll just, it'll just wipe yeah. it out. It'll Excellent. spread over on top of it and smother it. So hemerocallus. Hemerocallus. So dig it up, tra- transplant it somewhere else, or look at just give it away to to um, family and friends. It is a super plant. Plant it in the right location. Okay, lovely. But it is a herbaceous spreading plant. So my bleeding hearts are still in full bloom. When oh, should lovely. I start pruning them back? Asks Dolores. So this is Dicentra, uh, Dicentra spectabilis, the bleeding heart, and as the name suggests, the uh, flower is the shape of a heart. So it produces these lovely racemes of heart-shaped flowers. Um, they normally flower in May. They're, they're generally gone at this time of year. So it's lovely to see it flowering. It's probably because the temperatures have been quite cool. So let it continue to flower. It'll flower, flower for another week or 10 days and then trim it back. So once the flower has faded, just trim it back, cut it back. A little bit like the Aquilegia, you treat it in the same way and plant some, maybe bedding plants around the base which just add a bit of colour. And it'll be back up next year again. I have a beautiful James Galway pink rose. Oh, lovely. Beautiful. The leaves have developed little holes in them. Any solution? Well, you see, it depends how bad. <laughs> like small bits of damage on plants. Like a James Galway climbing rose is a vigorous rose by nature. It's not a plant that's going to succumb to a small bit of leaf damage. Right. So if it's only small, then leave it alone and just continue to feed it. Give it a, a, a spray of the rose rescue if you want. But don't be panicking about a small bit of damage. You know, roses will always pick up. Like, the, for example, there's a bee. There's a specific bee that it's called the, the, I have to get this right, the rose leaf bee cutter. Okay. Or so the bee leaf. No, I'd say know, the rose, yeah. yeah. I'd say you have to write so the first time. So what it does <laughs> is, this particular bumblebee collects the leaf of the rose and uses it for its bedding to create its nest. So it's a specific variety of, of bee that only takes, uh, takes the leaves of roses so if the roses aren't there, the poor old bee isn't is, going to survive. Is going to, yeah, is going to, going be to leave us. So exactly. So, so look at a small bit of damage 
is is of no harm to certain plants and roses are quite vigorous so if it's look at if it's a lot of damage then certainly you can use the rose clear a rose rescue on a regular basis and that'll bring it back but a smaller damage is okay you know it's not same applies to most trees and shrubs small bits of damage just ignore them okay leave them alone that's nature working Working alongside away. Us, alongside us. Apple trees said earlier in the year the leaves are now going yellow. What do we do? Well, if all the leaves are going yellow, I'd be a little bit worried um, because they shouldn't be. They should still be green. Um, give them a feed. I think give them a, a grain of fertilizer. Keep it. Keep any uh, grass or weeds away from the base of them because young trees that will naturally compete with them. Generally, yellowing in in plants is a sign that they're hungry. They're lacking nitrogen or some element, uh, magnesium or, or some element. So a good fertilizer, a rose feed, would be ideal and remove any grass or weeds around the base of them. Um, if they're freshly planted, just make sure that they're not dry. You know, they, even though I have said that the soil is quite moist, just make sure that newly planted plants aren't drying out. Apart from that, they should be fine. Now, uh, somebody is wondering about, they're very weedy, it's very weedy and there's a lot of moss in the lawn. Wow. Uh, and also from the same uh, listener, ragwort, tall green stem and leaves, what can be done now? Well, you want to get rid of the ragwort because that's poisonous. So ragwort, you know, you can pull, physically pull that out of the ground um, if it's not, if there's not too much with it. It has a very shallow rooting system and it pulls very easily. So you can literally just take that and dispose of it. Uh, with the, mo- with the, the lawn, so this time of year so obviously the listener possibly hasn't treated the lawn in the springtime so if you want to get rid of the moss use the zero lawn liquid mm-hmm. that will green up the lawn as well and eliminate the um, the moss literally overnight the broadleaf weeds uh, you can treat with them with the dicofar if you want but lawns in general at this time of year should be getting a feed because many lawns that have been cut on a regular basis now, that weakens the grass. So give them a feed of park and fairway, which gives them a lovely green colour without forcing them. So it greens them up without actually making them grow. And um, so that's the first thing I would do, feed it with the park and fairway. And then if you want to get rid of the moss, put a light application of the zero treatment on and that'll see the moss gone oh, overnight. Okay. Um, that person with the slugs should either try the tomato leaves soaked in water overnight, strain and mix in with half a cup of water into a spray bottle, says Joanna. Oh, there I you think go. that's the slugs in the tie, the, the situation in the tyre. Another great tip for slugs is the garlic, garlic wonder in particular. And uh, a little tip I got actually from a hosta grower years ago. They, so they grow commercially hostas on a commercial basis and, and hostas, you know how slugs love those. Mm. But they use the garlic wonder and they spray it onto the foliage every 10 days and slugs and snail dislike the taste of garlic. Now you can make that up yourself by just boiling up three or four garlic bulbs in, in hot water and you make up a syrup that you mix with water and apply it onto the foliage and of course that's 100% organic so again if you wanted to try that as well. Oh, so in that instance they were growing lettuce and things like that in Yeah that but it t- may not you see it may not be slugs and snails right. there are other pests that will eat the foliage like flea beetle like um, the vine weevil beetle there are other you know yeah, okay. pigeons will, will eat the leaves off cabbages and lettuce and so on so it could be something else that's actually attacking them Okay. but having said that as the listener says you could just make up a solution and apply it onto the foliage of the, of the plant. And, and the garlic works really well that, in that in that instance. Okay, we're probably going to pause on this one, Borak. How do we kill ivy? 
Ivy, the good old Ivy. Good old Ivy. Uh, that's favoured by the bees. It flowers <laughs> oh, in the autumn. <laughs> leave the Ivy alone, he's saying. Well, look, at if it's smothering your plant, remember it's not parasitic. It doesn't actually feed off a tree or a shrub that's growing up. Now, if, it's, if it gets very heavy and, uh, and it's, it's likely to damage the tree or thing, then if you cut it at the ground level, cut it right at ground level, the top portion will die anyway. And anything that reshoots, you can just apply a little bit of SPK on it and that will get rid of it. Okay. But, uh, Ivy is a very, very beneficial plant as well in the garden. We're going to leave it there, Porrick. Thank you very much so indeed. next week is our last show. I know, that's hard to believe. And just to let the people know that I'll be in the garden centre after 12 today in Turlock and Castlebar. So if you want to pop in, bring any questions into me or any bits of plants or any photographs of areas, I'll give them some advice. Okay, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Lovely. Thanks indeed. Uh, That's it from me as well for this morning. Do stand by. Michael Leary is on the way next with the very best in country right through until one o'clock. Local news also on the way with Michael D. McAndrew. From me for the moment, a very good morning to you.